Hello and welcome to Are You a Weezer Fan? I'm John, here with Bill. So the star of School of Rock and the star of The Matrix opened for Weezer? The show that brings you the chronological story of Weezer history, music, and lore. Bill, what are we doing today? We are starting the journey into the fourth album of Weezer. Chapter four. All right. Uh, Get into Maladroit. Maladroit. Okay. Um, Man, we keep thinking that this process is going to get easier as this goes on. And uh, I think we proved to ourselves over the last few weeks that that is not going to be the case. I just thought thought there was going to be a lot less reading when we started green. And besides Pinkerton, and I thought that was going to continue to get easier. This one just got muddy. Really, really muddy. We are Um, trying to be linear, and that does not go well for Maladroit. Right. So Maladroit, if we want to do our kind of format that we decided to do before we did enough research, it's just like, yeah, we'll talk about the... uh, the songwriting and the recording and all this, and we should be able to hopefully find a bunch of this info. Uh, but one, we can find a lot of this info, but two, we're backtracking fucking constantly. Uh, cause this album was conceived kind of at the same time as green written at the same time. Just to, just to like break it, Break down the pure shock. I was getting my oil changed, reading up on Maladroit to start preparing for this. And I had to message you that one of the first performances after the Green album came out that Weezer did for a live audience was almost strictly Maladroit songs. And we're going to get into that further today. But but just the shock of that was the first thing I read about touring. Huh. And like, so then I wonder how much support did Green really get? How much love did it get? Because they just went full maladroit mode, full maladroit mode. That's fun to say. Right when Green came out. Right. And maladroit mode, if you will, uh, was going back to being completely self-produced and doing things explicitly their way (laughs) because the first thing they did when green came out was fire their management team completely. They got rid of everybody. I think the quote uh, it's, it's like it was a power move by rivers. What was the quote? I think a statement He wanted to make a statement of intent. I don't know what intent he was trying to make because green did pretty damn well. It's a platinum record. That's for sure. Um, yeah. And then yeah. they're just, I mean, I, I get writing songs all the time cause they're on this tour. They're writing songs on the tour that we covered in our green touring episodes. It's actually, um, during the, well, after green comes out, there's the hyper extended tour that they're still on. Mm-hmm. They do a European tour and they do uh, a leg called the dusty West tour, which actually leads up to maladroit coming out. Okay. And it comes out only 364 days, just under a year from when Green dropped. It's the it's the first time they put out two albums in less than a calendar year. It won't be the last. Yeah, it will not be the last. Uh, and it's not even close to the record for the two closest albums. But, you know, I digress. Um, the, the whole The whole process is just really off the rails to me. So, like... 
the they start demoing like instantly and i think they they recorded at three different studios over the course of like i guess about 4 months for these actual demos for the album even though some of these songs had been written as early as 2000 right cuz there was at least uh, a couple that came straight off the summer songs 2000 right yeah is that a slob and dope nose that he did on his little ex ecstasy fucking, fucking no, I don't rid- riddling and tequila thing. things yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I believe so actually um and we'll get into that further i'm sure we have those notes but yeah so a couple songs were absolutely straight from the summer songs 2000 um and there was an interesting quote i believe it was from carl so yeah he said uh in a nutshell summer songs of 2000 died because of the need to please the record company Whereas the demos that became Maladroit existed to piss off the record company. I, I don't under I don't understand <laughs> Rivers' feud with the with Geffen. What was the issue? They had gotten him Rick Ocasek a couple times. They had produced a, a few really good albums up to now. I don't get it. It doesn't get make it. sense. I don't get it at all. Um, but so like they're. They're writing and recording like during this whole whole t- whole tour, so maybe it was like trying to do the song projects that didn't work out. They needed to switch it up a bit because um, most of these are tracked at three different studios, uh, which were Sage and Sound Recording Studios in Hollywood from August to September, Steakhouse Studios in late October, and Cello Studios in November. We're just going to knock those all out because we don't want to cover those every every time we cover a track. And they even used some of these um, radio sessions they were playing to demo songs. Like there were a couple times when they went to a radio station to play a set that would get broadcast later. And they wouldn't broadcast it. And they'd be like, okay, cool. We're going to take what we recorded and we're going to bring them back to our little demo pile, which they were just amassing. Yeah. And then they started to do some of the craziest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, because because they weren't just amassing these demos; they were uploading them every single day to uh, Weezer dot com, and there were over a hundred and fifty demos um, from one of these sessions alone. From what I understand, a demo of Dope Nose uh, charted number 25 on the modern rock chart okay but so what's weird about that is it charted because not only were they uploading these demos they were sending them to radio stations i don't understand the logic here geffen had to come to him and go hey stop what you're doing stop it please yeah ask (laughs) the band to issue an apology and ask the radio stations to stop playing it until the label could officially release a single ask the band to release the album like what are you doing put out the album uh didn't they also uh this is when rivers was kind of active on the boards and was taking feedback on songs and the rumor is that he like didn't actually take any of the feedback People would be like, oh, I don't like this song. And he's like, oh, fuck you. Yeah, so from what I understand, like, there was a message board, the Rivers Correspondence Board. Oh, yes, yes. Where a bunch of these MP3s were posted, and there was fan chat with the fan club, like, on almost a daily basis. But 
most of the stuff the fans said didn't get in, but one thing that did was slob right made it out of the summer songs of 2000 right 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 is the, the fans i guess on the rivers correspondence board what were instrumental in getting that song on the album yeah which is impressive and john do you know what rivers cuomo's username on the board was i know you do ace ace there's hero ace freely of kiss yes um um i like that though that's kind of fun yeah it's, it's cute. goofy it's, it's cute it's cute but during this uh, touring cycle and demoing, they finally make it. They go back to Cello Studios to officially record with actual studio time. Takes them from December 16th to January 10th. Crank it out. Seems like whenever whenever they don't have a producer, there's not a lot of stories from the studio because nobody's pushing back at Rivers and he just goes, cool, we're going to do this, and they do that. And that's what happened. They crank, crank the album out. Came out May 14th, 2002, 364 days after Green came out. Jesus Christ. It makes, it makes no earthly sense, man. Um, and, and that's one of the things that I wanted to bring up before we, we just jump into the music. Cause yeah, because yeah, that, that's about it. Like you, you combine our Green Touring episode with the information we just gave you. That's the creative process for this album. Yes. Um, but the weirdest thing is to me is when I first started looking at this story a little bit closer and realizing that this was Scott's first album and realizing what this album kind of sounds like, I had assumed that this album was heavily Scott Schreiner influenced and like <laughs> kind of, you know, a little bit more of him trying to get in and maybe make an impact. But then we realized that, you know, they're playing these songs five days after the release of the Green Album where Mikey Welsh is still on tour with yeah, them. Yeah, Mikey is playing these songs live, was there for the writing of the majority of them. I mean, who knows to say how, like how Scott influenced the final sounds of it, but the song structures and the riffs are weird, so those were probably established already. Yeah. But yeah, this is also, this is Scott's first album. Which, you know, just a note. This yeah. Is, this is the first album with our lineup. Solidified yeah. Weezer lineup for the next 20 plus years. Okay. Um, Bill, do you have anything else before we jump into it? I mean, what, what are your, what do you, what do you uh, think about Maladroit? I, and I think a lot of people around my age do like Maladroit. And I was under the impression at the time of this album's release, that the way Weezer goes is a color album that everybody likes and then a weird album and then a color album that everybody likes and then a weird album. And that was how Weezer releases were supposed to happen. Okay. It's not the case. It's just a coincidence that they kind of went back to back like this. So is this, in your mind... The Green Album's Pinkerton. Yes, 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 exactly. Yes, it is. Yeah, it totally is. Um, but it's it's very, very different than Pinkerton. Um, I mean, we've got to get into it musically, but this is like, for the next 20 years until we get Van Weezer, probably the closest thing to like heavy metal Weezer. 
maybe I don't know. I'm interested. I'm interested to really listen to it because I know a lot of people say that, and there are some tones there, but I don't know. I think I think Green and Pinkerton are both maybe as heavy as this, but maybe not. I don't know. Okay. Bill, any more thoughts before we jump into track one? No, I think this chaotic recording process and chaotic intro we gave it have set us up perfectly for this chaotic album. All right, track one, American Gigolo. I swear I'm not going to compare it to Pinkerton the whole time, but opening song is just a noisy-ass drum beat, just like on Pinkerton. <laughs> Except I think I like this drum beat a lot more. I like that drum beat a lot more. I like uh, that guitar tone a lot more. The tone's great. Like, that's very solid. Uh, and also, right out of the gate, guitar solo. Not the vocal melody. Not we're, the vocal we're, melody. We're stepping pretty far away from the Green Album and what a lot of people might know and love about Weezer in track one right there. And, and it's so good. That was fucking <laughs> awesome. Really I really like that. I fucking love that song. And and people say that after Pinkerton, Weezer doesn't put out anything emotional or personal, but I think there's a lot in this song's lyrics where... It feels like the first first verse or so is talking about like not stopping touring and just like have to keep on doing what he's doing and maybe that's why he's mad at his label. But then also I love the, uh, it's kind of like a pre-chorus where it goes, if you hate this, I can't blame you. It's like he's already degrading himself from the still dealing with some Pinkerton backlash. Yeah, and but here he is doing it again, making another self-produced album that's going to be very different than what people <laughs> just ate up. Sell you know? a lot less than your very polished, super poppy albums. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's something I'm going to pay attention to during this listen is really how personal things are. Okay. Um, one thing that I'm not really going to listen to because we noticed it there and I noticed it on my previous listens of this album doing my research there's like no Weezer solos on this album. I think all the guitar solos are really fucking interesting. <laughs> I know they're fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just another note of like, this is very much a departure from what we just got on green, which I thought suffered from a little bit of sameness. A lot of the songs just kind of felt a little bit bland to me. This song, or this album rather, will keep you on the edge of your seat. It, it will keep you on your toes, at least. <laughs> I think that's that's accurate. That's true. Okay. Um, anything else on this track before we get into track two, Bill? Um, it's the first in what I'm going to say are fucking terrible song names. We got, and, and we got some pretty bad song names. And I think American album, yeah. American Gigolo is not even like that bad compared to some of these. Yeah, so let's get into track two then. Dope Nose. Dope Nose. 
was also a lot of fun. It's though. a kick ass song. It's oh my so god! Good. Like I want to hate it, but it's why do you want to hate it? Because it's, it's just—it's so infectiously catchy. Um, and it was—it's a great first single too. Yeah. Like when they're still just kind like it still feels like the album cycle from Green, so like it's got a hash pipey kind of vibe, and I think that really works perfect as like a mainstream Weezer song. That song is everything that Weezer is and is capable of, and people have seen, but is also so very different than the super polished poppy Weezer. I think. Yeah. And it has a guitar solo that has nothing to do with the vocal. It's now. a really good guitar solo. <laughs> that it's shreddy fun fucking thing. Um, I was curious if this was the same. I mean, I guess same session maybe, but on this one, he was saying that he took three shots of tequila and a handful of pills before writing this. And I was pretty sure the hash pipe method was one shot of tequila and three pills. Unless Weezerpedia is just typing things backwards the more sure. rivers saying things backwards in interviews who knows yeah that's um, true that's true or yeah, maybe he was changing things up so yeah could have been right, a, that's what I'm could have been a like, different morning yeah maybe it was a, a, a but, but what did what did he write on the two riddle and two tequila morning well that one didn't make it to the <laughs> that one might have been a hash pipe or that one might have been slob ooh maybe mm, who knows who knows but yeah wow that was another really fun one. And we're, we're going to come back to this song after the album uh, because it was the lead single. There was a music video for it. The song feels like motorcycles. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. This album feels like Scott Schreiner. These guitar tones sound like Scott Schreiner looks. I mean, like, tone could have happened while he was there, but, like, these songs were done for the most part i know and that's why i'm so confused and upset about this timeline because it doesn't line up with my previously held assumptions <laughs> with your and head, now your i have to change weezer head cannon yeah so thanks scott schreiner for <laughs> not writing maladroit yourself <laughs> all right are we gonna get to the other catchy fucking song yeah, let's get to the other catchy fucking song. Track three, Keep Fishing. So we're really... Little known fact about that song, actually. Yes. Uh, do, do you know the story about the writing of that song? No, John, I don't think so. Um, so it's actually a song about a time the band went camping. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they didn't bring any food, so Rivers had to uh, go go fishing for the band. But you know, you know, it's it's four of them, and he's not that good at fishing, and they were all real hungry. So Rivers just had to keep fishing. I was going to leave out anything Muppet-related until we get to the music video, but that is the story they tell Pepe the King Prawn when they're being interviewed by him about what the song's about. 
I had such a good week this week because I got to think about Muppets a little bit more than I normally do. But that that is interesting though that um, lyric wise he Rivers says in a lot of interviews that most of these songs are just bullshit. Like the uh, dope knows he is quoted by saying like um, oh it's it's not about anything it's just a bunch of garbage lyrics right. But I think dope knows you can at least like paint your own narrative in it and really get something out of it emotionally. Most of keep fishing is nonsense. Like I think the, some of these courses and pre-courses are pretty solid, but most of it does seem like it is nothing. And he's just writing things that sound good. I mean, and it sounds fucking great. Yeah, it does. If, if you don't really listen to it that much. Because, uh, yeah, no, it's complete fucking nonsense. This song is lyrically just a complete nothing burger. Yeah, because like, oh, girl, when I'm in love with you, keep fishing if you feel it's true. Like, I could see maybe the keep fishing line making sense if somebody was like... If it was wasn't like, about literal fish. Well, <laughs> Like, if if it was a song about, like, trying to find a new love or something, like, keep fishing. There's, like, plenty of fish in the sea. But, like, what are we fishing for here? I don't understand. Yeah. It seems like we're kind of mixing our metaphors. There's nothing um, much that we can do to save you from yourself. What was she fishing for? I don't understand. Right. Nonsense. Nonsense. Wait, well, uh, what did... There's a quote about this one, too. Oh, he was interviewed, and they said... Is this song about a girl? And Rivers says, I don't know what I was saying. Maybe it was. Like, that's his response for almost all of the, when he's asked about these songs. Okay. Oh, something weird happened with this one, though. What happened with this one? (laughs) Rivers wasn't, like, happy with the album version, which I don't understand. Oh, there's so many versions of this song. So, when it got picked for a single... He just re-recorded the whole fucking song. And it's it's different. It's pretty different. And then when they made the music video, they edited a couple more things. And then also some of the live performances of the song just sound completely different too. It's it's weird. It's a weird choice. But I think I like any version that I heard. While we were doing yeah, our research. Yeah, the the, so the version in the music video is, I mean, it's still really good. Like, the whole song's still there, but different intro is, it's different. It's not bad. I don't think it's worse. I'm sure I prefer one or the other, but I couldn't really tell you. Okay. Bill, anything else before we move on to the next track? I really like Muppets, John. We're going to get back to the Muppets. <laughs> we're going to have, they're, they're going to have their time, Bill. That's we've given all. you wrestling. We've given you aliens. We're going to give you the Muppets. You just, start just fucking chill out. You start fucking this. chill out. I was going to save the Muppets. <sighs> Take control. And the bass kind of goes the fuck off at the end of that song. Yeah, it really does. Um, I like that song, I think. I like it. Time. it. It's really fucking heavy when it starts is one of the first things that I noticed. 
And then the other thing I noticed was it's kind of the first track that is a bit more generic. The solo's fucking crazy. <laughs> it might be one of the weirdest solos, but like the choruses are pretty mellow. Yeah, lyrically, this song is kind of boring. You've got like one verse, and then it just goes back to the chorus a couple times. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's fine. Yeah, it rocks. It rocks. It's good. It didn't piss me off. Uh, what do you think about Brian Bell's notion that he thought it should have been a single? I think if you give the album three singles i don't think i still no i mean we do kind of have three singles there there, there's still a homemade (laughs) carl video for slob that we'll talk about we don't talk about carl cook found footage music videos what do you mean we love those Uh, do we do we yeah at least like at least this time he edited the audio out but we'll we'll fucking get to that (laughs) jesus christ getting ahead of ourselves yeah, I don't have too much to say about um, about Take Control. Just, yo, everybody, everybody, everybody I know, Take Control. Take Control. Uh, yeah. Um, now we can cover decent song title, but doesn't match the song. But also decent song? I think decent song. Let's listen to it. Death and Destruction. I apologize to the listeners. I that's not a decent track. I fucking love that track. <laughs> that that should not be listened to in your car on your way home from work. That should be listened to on the cans with intent because that's that's a track. Oh it's, man, that was it's, fun. Uh, it's good. It's a good jam. And that's uh that's the origin of the song, right? Or at least it was an instrumental. This one, I'm not sure. I know there's a later song that started as an instrumental. Did this one as well? Yes, this one started as an instrumental and uh, was never recorded with vocals until January 6, 2002. So that's one of the later uh, later additions to the album. Man, I I love this as... I love the lyrics on this one too. It's just a short little thing, heavily driven by... The music and the guitars on this one and the lyrics are just kind of there in the background. Like, ah, not even in the background, but like, God damn, that's so good. Yeah, there are one, two, three, four, eight. There are 10 lines of lyrics in this entire song. There's more known recordings of this song than there are lines of lyrics <laughs> on this song. Uh, because, I mean, like we talked about, there were demos being released on Weezer.com every single day while they were doing this stuff. Um, there were a couple live soundboard recordings uploaded uh, from California and Maryland. And then what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, uh, ten different recordings of it from Cello Studios in Los Angeles. Some of them ended up on Weezer.com. The last one ended up on to Maladroit. 
They're just vibing on these recordings and demos. They discovered MP3 and just would not hit delete on anything. Yeah, just to piss off the record company. I guess. I don't... Tell me why. I don't get it. I still don't get it. I don't understand Rivers. But it gave us this album, and this has been a lot of fun so far. I've, I've really been enjoying these songs. I have too, and I'm already getting... I, sh- I should save this for the end, but I'm, I'm going to mention it now. Most of the band don't like this album. And that makes it even more confusing why they rush to get it done to do all this stuff on their own and then to look back on it and be like, yeah, this is Maladroit. Like, well, we're going to, we're not there yet, but in a couple tracks, we're going to get to what uh, Pat says might be the worst Weezer song. And I don't understand how we got here. Well, let's listen to not the worst Weezer song, John. Yeah, let's listen to the one that Rivers and the fans agreed should make it out of the summer songs of 2000. Slob. So that song predates the Green Album. Yes. And those lyrics have the same energy as a Pinkerton song. He is mad that... Well, he's not mad that he's famous, but he's mad that people are telling him what they think he should be doing because he's famous. And I think... God damn. Maybe people are right. Whenever Rivers is singing emotionally and about life experiences... The lyrics are better. The singing's better. The vocal delivery on that was fucking awesome. That was so fucking good. And you know that it's a personal song whenever um, Rivers brings up beer. Yeah, anytime alcohol is involved, it's typically uh, not party time. (laughs) Yeah, which is, uh, you know, we know this because we know Rivers now. Yeah, and we don't surf to work. (laughs) It's bullshit. Surf to work if I want to. Um, I wanted to mention how cool the bass is on this song. And then had to think about how, if this is the part Mikey wrote or if Scott wrote his own part for this. Because the bass kicked ass. But they've been playing this song live since June 2000. That, like, that is why I'm so confused. Because Scott was brought in to fill in on an already booked tour because the bassist went AWOL. And then an album comes very quickly. But apparently every single song was already, at the very least, having been worked on before he even fucking showed up. And I I can't find any sources that really tell me like what was his influence on this one specifically because he's the one that's got tattoos and a gold tooth (laughs) and smokes cigarettes and looks like a biker motherfucker and this is like out of everything that we've heard thus far this has been like that album but he showed up 
after it was written? What the fuck? It makes no earthly sense to me. I need to know, Bill. I don't know. I mean, like you were saying, it's if it is metal influence that we're hearing and not just like dirty rocker influence, that's what Rivers loves and grows up on and wanted to do in the first place. But I think you're right because the it metal sounds the, more biker bar right, than exactly. it does kiss. Yeah, yeah, because the metal we're hearing isn't like hair metal. It yeah, it sounds dirty for sure. It sounds a little burnt. Oh, fuck. Um like some burnt jam? My submission for stupidest song name. That's unfortunate because it is my submission for best song in the album. Oh, I'm not saying the song's bad. I'm just saying that uh, spelling burnt B U R N D T jam. What's a jam? Well, J A M B, that's like a door jam. Okay. Yeah. Um, so why is it bedurnt? Why I I have no idea why it is bedurnt jam with B. I I I don't know. Bill. That, is, that is how you I spell that. That's how you spell door <clears throat> door jam though. I really fucking hope so, or I just made an ass of myself, <laughs> well, and I vow that I'm not going to cut this. Let's start the song, and we'll Google it. Oh fuck's sake! All right, burnt jam. Dude, burnt jam is a tasty jam. It's, it's chill, man. It's I, a chill time. I like time. that song a lot. Uh, that's that's the other one that started as an instrumental, with lyrics added later. Yeah, it's weird that they kept writing. I mean, you know, like every song starts as an instrumental usually, but it is weird that they kept like getting to finish products and like, yeah, that'll be an instrumental. Uh, maybe we can add some words. Yeah. And also lyrical changes between some of the demos, uh, the album version, and even some later live versions. Where the album version starts off with a gothic flavor, how I miss you, if I only once could kiss you. And apparently that's, Rivers got... Like, kind of fell in love with a, a goth girl? I think he discovered what goth was. <laughs> I don't really... Kn- I don't get it, and I don't get how it translates to this island song. Like... Neither do I. Fascination with a specific goth girl. I don't think he's going to win over this goth girl writing songs like this. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know what what his goal was here. Maybe he just had to big titty goth girlfriend, Bill. Yeah, that's, that's every everyone's goal. Well, he's, he's doing it wrong. He's he's is he? <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, we, we just started talking about making a whole episode on this, so we don't have to cover it every time it happens. Uh, this main riff is just completely lifted from a George Benson song. Yeah, Breezin' by George Benson. We listened to it um, 
we're going to have a special episode that's going to cover it at some point. But yeah, we're just starting to collect the uh, all the times Rivers lifted something, whether he did so purposely or not. I think it was probably purposely. I mean, hey, I have no statement of intent. I just know that there are a finite number of chord (laughs) progressions. And to people that know a groove that sounds good, uh, it's reasonable for two people to write the same lick. See, this is why it's going to be its own episode, but we are going to, we'll mention them as they come along and we'll compile them. Maybe that's how we'll end the show. Final episode. Here's everything that's got taken from somewhere else. Oh man, that would be intense. That might be a really long episode. We'll see how that list ends up stacking out. We will. Uh, Bill, any more notes on that song that I really, really love? I think that's crazy how much you like it, but I do it's like best it. best song on this album by a lot. Oh, God. But I do like it, too. Okay, we got we got some tracks left, so let's jump into Space Rock. What? That's a weird one, man. I really like it, though. <laughs> it's I, a really good tune. I do too. But lyrically, this one is seemingly about the whole process of like opening up this album to Weezer.com and message boards. Uh, you know, they know it all and they're pinning you to boards. It's a game and you'll play, but you can never have fun when all they do is say lies. Like that's, and again, that's different lyrically than the demo version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the this was, it's not that old. I think they started demoing it out in 01. So like they, <laughs> throughout the process of uploading demos, he was like, all right, I got to write a song and bitch about this. But like Rivers, you don't have to do this. You don't have to upload the songs. Yeah, you don't have to ask for fan input. You, I, I think he learned that this was the experiment, and he realized he did not enjoy it. He did not like doing it. But I don't think that's true, because he continues to release, you know, the Alone series. You know, Rivers releases demos, but I, I don't from think, now until eternity. I don't think we're releasing them. To make new albums, though. I think it's, hey, look at all this old stuff I did. I think that's where we're at now. I'm not too sure why he keeps releasing alone demo compilations. I don't know. Um, other interesting thing, this song has only been performed six times. Okay. The first time was May 19th when they were doing their Japan tour. Oh, no. 2002 in Japan? That's... That's going to come up, isn't it? Yeah. Um, okay. We're going to. A couple gonna, episodes from now. A couple well, episodes yeah. from now. We'll get back to it. We'll I'm get gonna, back the, to the, it. Let me set up the episode, though. During this time period in particular, 
It's a lot of questionable shit that Rivers in particularly in particular does and says and puts in his songs and writes about and talks about. We are going to do a Rivers controversy section during our bullshit episode for this. We'll go all the way back to cover anything weird he's been doing before this, but uh, yeah, May in Japan was not a not a good look. <laughs> Let's listen to Slave. Not a good segue. <laughs> So that song was actually first performed in May in 2002 in Japan. Bill, no. I, no, we, we did, no, 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 no. In a few weeks. Okay. In a few weeks. Okay. Okay. So, so the note on that is just going to be, this is one of the few songs off of Maladroit that made its live debut after Maladroit released. Yes, that's true. And, same thing with, um, God, what do we just listen to? Space Rock. Um, this was only performed six times ever. So why doesn't the band like this album? I don't know. I don't get why they don't like this song. This song's pretty badass. The lyrics are, I think, lean on the nonsense end. I'm not really seeing anything in them. But what's, uh, I think the really fun fact that goes along with this song is that uh, Juliana Hatfield covered it the same year that it came out. Interesting. Yeah. You may remember her as the um, artist that Mikey Welsh was playing bass for before he quit and joined Weezer. So I guess no bad blood there. I mean, I guess I don't think there was in the first place, but. Yeah, I kind of doubt that, but. Huh. That's fun. Yeah, and be curious to hear what her version sounds like. Because, again, I don't think there's much in these words, but I think the riffs and how they play, how they interweave the intros and the choruses and the verses is done really well. I agree. That was a fun song. Yeah. Slay. Um, Bill, we just got a few more. Yeah, we're almost there. Um... But wait, aren't we about to get into track 10? Yeah, track 10, final song. No. I'm showing we got 13 on this Weezer album. Isn't that weird for a Weezer album, Bill? (laughs) Uh, I I heard uh, somebody on an interview saying that they felt betrayed when Weezer put out an album with 13 songs. They thought that was the sellout moment. Which is so funny to me because it's still not a long album. Maladroit clocks in at what? Uh, under 34 minutes? Yeah, no. all these 13 songs? All these songs are super quick. They're nice and tight. Yeah, like speaking of which, the next track uh, is two minutes and one second. Well, let's listen to it. Fall together.
Oh shit, I forgot it was only two minutes long. <laughs> so did I. And that next one starts quick. But uh, that's okay, I can cut that audio out of the background. Yeah. Oh nice. Well. Hey, what do you know? Editing. Magic. That, Bill, that was another fun track. It is. That is Pat Wilson's favorite song on this album. Okay, I'm also seeing that um Brian liked it as well. I mean, at least in this kind of self-effacing quote about yeah, it. Yeah, it, it, that quote starts to get you into the uh, band really not liking Maladroit, but... Why? Why <laughs> does the band treat Maladroit the way Rivers treated Pinkerton for 12 fucking years? I don't know. Because, yeah, Brian's like, uh, I do have my moments when I love on Maladroit, like falling together, really powerful, the band's tight, and we're playing riffs. You're not wrong. That is what's happening in that song. And he says, it would have been an album of that. Instead, I'm just a bit confused when I hear it. I'm not confused at all. I feel like it has been an album of that. It says, the sound of it doesn't do much for me. This is doing a lot for me. It's starting. Um, the, the confusion's starting. But they both like this song. Let's Brian let... Bell, are you a Weezer fan? <laughs> so, John, focus up. Let's talk about Fall Together. It's solid. Um, I do think we have entered complete nonsense lyrics. There's not that many words in this song, and it even starts with, we go together, baby, and if you do, yeah, I'll be your weakness, baby, and get to you. What are those first two lines? We go together, baby, and if you do? Yeah, no idea. This is this is complete nothing. This is just something that's going to sound good. Streamline, mainline, fall together, get, get up. up. Get up, get up. What? Yeah, like, but that, that riff is good. <laughs> the riff's great. The, the, the chuggy riff is a lot of fun. The solo's solid, as are all the other ones on this. It's just, Maybe it's just these weren't, weren't the songs Rivers was asked about, because like, all of his interview responses of like, Oh, I don't know what it means. It's just some nonsense. Makes sense for other songs, but not the ones he gets asked about. Like Dope Knows, I I feel like that's really about something. American Gigolo, that's definitely about something. This isn't about anything. Yeah, this is just word salad. Just I, I, I completely agree with you. Um So then is it just a general self-effacing? You know, is he just going to say any song that he writes is meaningless garbage when he feels I, like an album that he's put out is meaningless garbage? I think he is really trying to avoid people thinking he's speaking from the heart in this era with Green and Maladroit. I think if you asked him anything, he'd be like, no, it's not about me. Because when I wrote an album about me, people hated it. Right, so still just more of the shutting himself away and disconnecting from anything. I mean, because that was similar on Green. He was saying that, like, exactly. Oh, you're like nothing on this album is personal. And John, then, it's been less than 365 days. Yes, yeah, similar to Green. Jesus He's still Christ. doing the same interview cycles. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, it's it's been less than 365 days. I keep forgetting that. But, in but this then, research. But then I don't think that I that he's not writing songs about himself occasionally but i think maybe he did take it to heart and was like i will write songs about absolutely nothing nobody can be mad at that right but he will also <laughs> write hyper specific songs about 
how much it's a pain in the ass to have your fans <laughs> writing shit about you on the message boards yeah. that you decided to open up for feedback on what this album should be. It's interesting. It's an interesting time. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, Bill, anything else before we go into an unprecedented track 11? Yeah, no, I'm excited. The first ever 11th song on a Weezer album. All right. Uh, I'm just imagining what all the possibilities could be. Boo. Yeah, that was bad. I'm sorry. Okay, I know that Green Day put out Shenanigans in 2002. Okay. But that song might have been the best Green Day in 2002. <laughs> this is the best new Green Day song of 2002. Yeah. It, yeah. It was punk as fuck. That was good, man. That was fun. Um, the fun fact for this song isn't that fun because it has never been played live which makes it the earliest Weezer song to never have been performed live. That is a huge fucking bummer. I really would love to see this live. I mean, would it would it fit in a set of theirs at 2002? Like, a pit's gonna break out. Did that happen? <laughs> would it just be weird, awkward, no-pit punk song and people are just staring at him? I, even if it was, it would be happening for a minute and 59 seconds. <laughs> so who really cares, you know? I don't know. That's just interesting to you, never... You can throw it away at least six times. They played everything else on this album at least six times live, right? Yep. Uh, I don't know. Play live, man. It's weird. River, play live. Um, I think, once again, lyrics don't say anything, but... It's really fun. It's sung well. The guitar solo bit is a little, I don't know what the word, empty, like uh, tinny maybe. Like they didn't double track a guitar when the solo started. So it just drops to one guitar and it sounds right. a little weird. Yeah. Threw it, me off. It does kind of drop out a little bit. But mm. overall, Possibilities is a pretty damn good song. Yeah. It definitely deserves to be played live. At least once. At least at six least times. Six times. <laughs> at least six times. That's that's all we're asking for, Rivers and the rest of Weezer. Uh, Bill, anything else on possibilities before we move on here? No, I think it's time to go to the first ever 12th track on a Weezer album. You know, it was cool when we did it with the 11th, but... <laughs> Bitch, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> track 12, whoop-de-fucking-do. made you so mad with my joke you didn't say the name of the song john which is by far the second worst song name on this album you're gonna tell me that love explosion is worse than burnt jam i said second burnt jam's worse i think it was love explosion and then i'd probably put 
I reckon Juggalo's pretty bad. Still not too sure. Yeah, man. I don't think Burnt Jam is on the list for worst song titles. <laughs> You're insane. No. I'm all right with it. Especially uh, because it feels so jammy. But oh, we're not going back to that song. We're on Love Explosion. But Love Explosion was originally titled Do You Want Me to Stay? And that's way better. And they, that's, that's like way the Way better. Um, uh, the song's good, though. It's fine. It's like middle of the road. We probably could have kept this album 10 tracks. Honestly, like if honestly, I'd cut Love Explosion and I already forgot what song I said. Kind of got Take Control, got a little meh. Okay, maybe 11 because I might want to keep December. But yeah. Yeah, look. we still got we still got songs, pal. Yeah. Well, we still got songs. Uh, I, I think the th- reoccurring theme on this one, even though these were all written before Green came out. Mm-hmm. Um, for Rivers' personal lyrics are, I don't know who's doing this to him. It's probably the fans, but people putting their life onto him and telling Rivers what they want him to be doing. Well, and I think we're going to be getting into this a lot more in like the touring and the bullshit for this cycle as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but like this is kind of at, a weird point for rivers where like some weird stuff is going to be happening at shows. Uh, some weird stuff is happening online. Um, some just, it's a weird time. It's a weird time, Bill. I think it is like the level of fame with how much he's still interacting with people. I, he's he's going to be wearing suits and sunglasses, <laughs> looking a lot like hey, uh, he, the bassist from Dogstar. He looks pretty fucking cool. He does. He looks really fucking cool. But like, but I th- I think that's the takeaway from the verses on this one. The courses are still a little. It's like this. This is a perfect combination of Rivers' throwaway lyrics and Rivers' like kind of from the heart lyrics. I think just mashed together. Yeah, into the, a weird Frankenstein. Yeah, almost. the verses are like stop saying like um, to the others. They'd love to call you their names. They've been wanting to kill you in your sleep. Like they, they're like this is what I would do if I was you, and I'm gonna fucking kill you in your sleep. <laughs> but like, it, it definitely feels like that weird fan interactions he's having. And it's interesting to see the differences between the lyrics of uh, the original demos of Do You Want Me to Stay to the demo of Love Explosion originally to what we actually got on the album. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the, once they started to finalize what was going to be on the album, I feel like the more emotional things got put where they needed to be. Okay. That's kind of, that's my, that is wild speculation, I guess, but that that's how I feel like it went. All right. Well, Bill, speaking of the emotional things getting put where they needed to be, we got the last track on a Weezer album. What are you expecting? Uh, John, we have the first 13th track on a Weezer album. Um, I mean, I can't tell you what I'm expecting because I've heard this album since it came out, but I am really upset that the song is called December. Damn, it's not my joke. It's a joke. I'm upset. <laughs> These are my feelings. 
that the song is called December and it's not track 12. It's track 13. Yeah. Um, track 13, December. All right, Bill, that was uh, Weezer's 2002 Maldrit. That that was a Christmas song. That was absolutely <laughs> a Christmas I song, and I'm glad you money. said it because <laughs> like, I, oh my God, I mean, it's called December. It sounds like that. It has the word Why faith in it. Was once? that not on our Christmas CD? Why didn't it say mirth? That's all it needed was a nice mirth. Yeah, then it, it would have been undoubtedly a Christmas song. Uh, that song was really good. Like, that is a great ender, I think. Um, I'd say it's the third best album ender. I think Butterfly and Only in Dreams would be somewhere in the one and two spot. And it's a better ender than Oh Girlfriend, I think. Album ender anyways. Okay. I, I like I kind of agree. I really like that to wrap this album up. Yeah, I think it encompasses maybe the feelings. I don't know. It is a, it's a good ender. Maybe it's because I've listened to this album too much and I just know that's where it should be. But I think it needs the quieter ending on this one. I don't think it needed to go uh, loud for an ending, which it easily could have. Yeah. Bill, we're kind of like four albums into the Weezer story now that we've finished that listen through. We still have a lot to talk about, but I'm more confused right now than I ever have been. (laughs) Let that confusion take you through. The things that we have read and we are ready to talk about. Bill, this album dropped on May 14th, 2002, as we have said Many times, only 364 days after the Green Album. Uh, When it released, it had an album cover, as albums do. Yeah, a very... This this was another reason I think my 12-year-old brain was like, it goes color album, weird cover album, that's kind of weird. Color album, weird color, weird covered album, that's kind of weird. And this cover is very weird. Yeah, so it is, it it looks like a stock photo of a toy I mean, it, sitting on a couch in a living room. It looks almost. like an I Spy book. Like Oh my setting. God, that's exactly what it looks it like. It has that yep. weird feeling and ambiance or like just back rooms energy that an I Spy book gives you. And yeah. yeah. It's just that dude sitting there reading a book, vibing on a green couch. And what he had he had been given a name by uh, the Weezer fans, I believe it was like Rupert Presley or something like that. That sounds right. Oh, Christ, what was it? Oh yeah, no, uh, sorry, not not Rupert Presley, Rupert Peasley. Peasley. Rupert Peasley he looks is like the gentleman it. sitting on the couch. He looks like a Peasley. He does. So yeah. it, he looks photoshopped in, right? Like. Doesn't this background image exist and then he's added in? That is what it looks like to me. 
Um, what it is not for sure, <laughs> it is not something that was submitted by a fan. Yeah, that, as a lot of popular rumors at the time said. Yeah, it, it, like that's just circulating, and there's no like there's no source for it except for other sources that leak back. Well, no, but th- th- there is a source for it, and it's because at this time, uh, like associated with the you know, comment boards and everything, there was an art contest on Weezer.com for people to send in fan art in like an album cover-ish square. Uh, But it had kind of the disclaimer that you're trying to win set lists from a tour that are signed by the band. This is not, you know, no winner of this contest is going to actually get the album cover. Weird. Um, so, it, you know, it was totally a fan rumor, but it was not completely unfounded that the record cover had been submitted by a fan. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just weird how little info, like there's entire sections of articles about the covers of all the other albums and like, it's really hard to find things about the Maladroit cover. I don't know why. But I think it's a good cover. Pitchfork did not, though. Um, in 2005, yeah. Pitchfork wow. uh, voted this one of the worst album covers of all time. Which just, that feels like, uh, why make that list? It's got to just be a slow news week. I guess. But, um, yeah, one of the worst album covers of all time in a Pitchfork poll. Um but that's okay because outside of the album cover, the album released to some pretty decent reviews, pretty decent reception, and pretty decent sales. Um, 152,000 copies of this album sold in the first week. And that's not massive numbers by any means. But, but also, uh, you just put out an album 364 days ago. And here you are pumping out more numbers. Um, bad. That's that's a decent amount of units. Uh, it, it still it has not gone platinum to date. One of the lowest selling Weezer albums at six hundred five thousand copies total. Um, so a, a lot of that in the first week. Um, oh yeah, that's damn. Yeah, more than a, like about a fifth of it in the first week, and then it just went stagnant. Yes. It, this one came out to mostly, I, I would say, mostly positive reviews. Um, we got some four out of fives, some three out of fives, uh, a C plus from Entertainment Weekly, which yeah, I mean, it's not bad. That, that's it's reasonable. Fun, uh, yeah, Pitchfork, not a fan, at a five point four out of ten. Um, but then, who loved it? Oh my God, Rolling Stone, uh, Kerrang gave it a good review. <laughs> And then Rolling Stone readers seemed to love Maladroit. Oh, yeah. Because there was a reader poll that named Maladroit the eighth best of the year and the 90th best album of all time. <laughs> See, that's a bit much. I'll take Reader- it. I'll take eighth of the year, but... Eighth of the year... I will concede because I we haven't gotten to the years in review yet, and I don't know the year, so I'm happy to 
just go ahead and say fine. That's reasonable. <laughs> fine. Have eighth. 90th best of all time. I had a really good time listening to that album today with you, Bill, but that is egregious. Well, get this, John. There's only 89 albums better than that ever. That's fun. Fan votes are garbage. Nah, they're I'm, fun. I'm going on record. They're fun. Saying that right now. Um, Speaking of fun, let's knock out these music videos real quick, because I think that promotion for Maladroit was solid, because... Both of these actual videos were in circulation constantly and visually just stick in your brain. Bill, do you want to talk about the one that we got a couple notes on or do you want to talk about the one that you want to geek out on first? No, let's do the one that came out first first. <laughs> I'll, I'll hold back my Muppet for a little bit. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're going to bring back Marco Siega for another Weezer video for Dope Nose. Yeah, he did Hashpipe and... Uh, one of the videos for Island in the Sun. The yes, one that got that much less airplay. Um, the Mexican Wedding The version. Mexican Wedding, yes. So he comes back for Dope Nose. And this one's kind of an interesting story because apparently Carl Cook <laughs> and the band were just ready to shoot a low-budget $1,000 video for this. Uh, they said that they had bought props and yeah. had whatever camera they had i don't fully understand like what was going on with that like if the label wasn't ready to start pushing this new album or if like they just wanted to try to do it by themselves but either way like seems like it was the last second the label stepped in and went hey no here's a director here's money go make a real video yeah here, here's 20 grand it, it call the, marco siega it's, uh, it's the exact same thing they did with the demos they're just yeah, we're just gonna keep sending out these unfinished, like poorly recorded songs, and everyone stop, stop, go to the stop, studio. Stop, yeah. Like, <laughs> they're, they're like, all right, cool. We're gonna go into the Jeff's backyard and just film this on uh, Carl's camera. And it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> what are you doing? Well, but like, also, so we we've talked about why the fuck did Weezer fire the management? Why are they so mad at the label? Why do they keep trying to sneak all these? Why is the label Low being quality so products? cool with that? That's that's the real question. I guess we can cough up like Rivers like on a, some sort of trip to explain his actions. But yeah, I think the label's being so cool with them because they just put out the Green album that did really well. Like, there's no yeah, reason to okay. think that this is. I mean, yeah, Island in the Sun is one of the biggest hits of our lifetime. Yeah, like it or not. Um, Hmm. But anyways, back so, to the dope yeah. nose video. <laughs> so the studio threw the, finally got a director in there. Um, what were the connections they were saying? They were saying that it was seems like it was mostly uh Marco's idea to just make this video happen. It's mostly just Weezer performing on a street. It looks like I want to say maybe a parking lot. Yes. Yeah, so like it's like it's uh. It was in Griffith Park um, in Los Angeles. And if you've oh, ever right. been there, it's like a big park kind of area. So like it, most of the streets uh, are somewhat narrow, but it seems like it was kind of on like a street that might have had some parking or something. Yeah, because it um, had some space. But had yeah. enough space for motorcycles and the some big cool cars. Flying W. Flying uh, W. And... 
are really gross and I hated it so much. Uh, stand up electronic uh, <laughs> drum kit. Yeah. But, the hexagons. But Pat said that he always wanted to play one of those. So they got him one. Which is so funny because if you watch the video, it's the goofiest part of the fucking video is watching him just like stand there on a street at night, like playing fucking electronic drums. It's so bad. I but, mean, if, if Carl's, um, uh, what the words re- recounting that's a word if carl's recounting of this is accurate it still seems like a cheap video it looks like they straight up just set it up and filmed everything one night and then just cut oh, yeah. it all together yeah. which if you see it it's totally possible and the the lighting and just the whole setting led to really good visuals and i remember seeing this video all the time and it catches your eye and it sticks with you I think that's what a Weezer video usually needs to do. Yeah, but it's still no Buddy Holly. No. And and for a band, like, it's funny because this is like a pretty decent video, but it's probably like their fourth best video already, at least. I mean, when you got Spike making your first couple videos, you're not going to be able to top it unless you bring him back. Okay. Or can you top it, John? Can you top it? I think you can because I think Keep Fishing. Because there was a music video <laughs> for Slob. Shut up. I think Keep Fishing is the best uh, Weezer music video. And it's because the Muppets are in it. And I fucking love the Muppets. And watching the making of this video warmed my goddamn heart. Like, you need to watch this video as well as the uh, making of, because there's like a 12-minute behind the scenes. Or no, I think it's 20. No, it's, yeah, it's a full yeah. episode of making uh, making the video. Oh, man. That was uh, really, really good. Uh, so this was Weezer's first time, like, acting? Yeah, I mean, it is. They've only done interviews. All of their music videos haven't had any, like, wraparounds or intros or anything it's just them performing right they all deliver lines of dialogue that rivers barely gets his out because apparently if rivers cuomo looks at a muppet he starts he laughing just breaks down it's it's, it's so funny and so cute horrible. to watch through the entire thing uh, the making of is just great. Like they set it up that uh, Pepe the King Prawn uh, invited them and is directing the video, and it's adorable. Yeah, and then the actual director of this video, Marco Siega, again, uh, is not really the director, and he's just there to uh, get coffee. Yeah, like it, it really was like the making. Uh, making the video is like an episode of The Muppet Show, and Weezer is the guest. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. So, I mean, you get uh, Miss Piggy hitting on Pat Wilson. I, I, and I think this is going to be a hot take. In the music video, she ties him up and is like macking on him. Right. Uh, but, but behind the scenes, I think those two were fucking. There was some energy there. Yeah. There's you know? energy. And yeah. She, she was married to Kermit when, uh, when this was made and when, uh, when Piggy. Huh. Piggy puts her hand on Pat's leg and she's like, is, is it okay if I put my hand on your thigh? And he's like, oh yeah, that's fine. She's like, mm. right. Like, oh, <laughs> okay. Hmm. <laughs> well, and that's like, that's a friend's thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, 
you know, once actors sleep together, they lose all sexual tension. So oh, like, yeah, maybe. In, in the music video, there was no sexual tension. Because <laughs> they are. Because they already mm. fucking. Interesting. I uh, like that. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. That's Patrick right. Wilson of Weezer and Miss Piggy. Might, might, Patrick Wilson might have helped lead to the divorce of Miss Piggy and Carmen the Frog. Oh, shit. Uh, what else was cute in that? Rivers says he relates most to Gonzo. That's adorable. Okay. And uh, I mean, you really loved when <laughs> Rolf showed up. I really loved when uh, the Swedish chef showed up to uh, cut the ropes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some real, like uh, most of the mainstay Muppets uh, showed up at some point during the making of and or the yeah. music video. Animal played drums, but had like no lines, which was weird. No, it makes it checks out for me. But yeah, no, he was so Animal was the drummer in this video because Pat's all tied up, and then Pat gets there though and starts playing with Animal, which means Pat Wilson has played with Animal and Dave Grohl has played drums with Animal, and I just think that's fun. Okay, yeah, that's got to be. Um one of the coolest things a drummer could do yeah. is like drum with animal on the Muppets. Well, there's a lot, a lot of drummers that were like growing up in the seventies and eighties credit animal as the reason why they wanted to start drumming, which I've fucking God damn, I love the Muppets. I love Muppets. John. <laughs> Bill, this is a Weezer podcast. And Carl right. Cook made another found footage video for slop. He did uh, not much to say for this. I don't, it, it didn't get released as a single. I think they just like doing an extra video when they can. Slob's like, um, I also keep calling them found footage as if yeah, it's a horror no. film. That's uh, that's not what it's it is. Home, home just, footage. Maybe. Yeah. Home footage. Um, but yeah, so we've got, uh, rivers playing slob while just walking down a beach on an acoustic guitar, which yeah. I don't think shows up on slob. No, apparently in a, on a beach in Spain, what was it? Barcelona. Some of the other footage is taken from a green room also in Barcelona. Or- oh, yeah, because uh, in this green room, you see Rivers, like, it, there's a shot that zooms in on his computer showing that he's on the correspondence boards. Yeah, which he apparently hates, so I don't understand. Yeah, why are you doing it? Yeah. Um, that's about it for Slob, right? I there w- There was so much overlay. Yeah, he likes the putting Carl shot. Cook really loves to put a shot on a shot. We'll we'll keep an eye on it if it keeps happening during make believe. Yeah, when is his last uh, found footage horror story video gonna be? If he did one during seasons and he still does it, we gotta call him. We gotta get a hold of him and stop him. Okay, Carl Cook, we're coming for you. And with that, Maladroit is recorded released our singles are out the album has been received by the public no hold up bill we gotta we gotta go on television we gotta we gotta promote on tv uh it's a slow cycle on tv we've got uh what pop world in the uk they play keep fishing in september of 02 good for them one appearance on letterman uh, that's it. Yeah. Now we're done. Yeah. Bill. Okay. 
All right. All Backing right. out of the TV section, we have not fully <laughs> promoted this album until we've gone on Letter Letterman. Yeah, because, you're right. You know when we go on Letterman, or do we, we listen to Weezer. We listen to Weezer. Weezer. But, uh, we get my favorite line, uh, ladies and gentlemen, with their new uh, new album Maladroit. You know, I believe that's in Michigan. Pause for laughter. I love that. That was great. Well done, Dave. Always a good time. Really. That's not that's not a good it's not a good joke. I don't think that's a great joke. Really bad joke. Um. Hmm. Okay, we're all wrapped up now. In except for how we feel. I know. I don't want to do this. I really don't want to do this. (laughs) Um. We'll see you next time for years in review. Baylor, you Weezer fan. John, go back. You got to review this album. <laughs> you were the one that wanted to do reviews. Okay, yeah, I didn't, fine. I didn't want to rate fine, albums. Fine, fine, Um Me first? I'm stalling. Okay, I'll go first because I won't stall. Okay. I am going to give Maladroit a 8 out of 10. reasonable and I think the only reason I think you're letting nostalgia pull you a little bit but reasonable I well the only reason I'm kind of doing that is because I didn't let green pull me into the eight and I gave green a seven and I like this album better than green it's weirder it's unhinged at points Mm -hmm. and I'm willing to look past some pointless lyrics because I think they all sound good. I think the words all sound nice together. I think they're all delivered well. There wasn't anything that stood out and made me mad. So I yeah, there was there was one homophobic slur on track two that we didn't get into. John, we'll get to. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But um, yeah, I'd go eight out of ten. Okay. Um. I'm going to mirror you a lot in that uh, I liked this better than green, so I'm going to go higher than my rating for green. Um, so with that in mind, this becomes a seven. Okay. That is an album that will definitely pop into my regular rotation of things that I'm listening to. That was at this point in the chronology interesting new and fun overall (laughs) Weezer yes it was maybe not what I would expect coming that hot off the heels of green but there was really not much about that I disliked but there were totally things that I could have liked more. Uh, we could have lost total control or take control. Sorry. I, I like that track, but we could have lost it. That could have put December as track 12. <laughs> that would have fixed everything. Honestly, that, December like, that alone yeah, yeah. could push it to eight. Totally. Um, 
But that's a solid album. That's a good 33 minutes. That's, uh, if you like Weezer, that's a good album. If you like, uh, just really any rock and roll that you've heard on a top 40 radio station in the last, like, (laughs) 35 years, you're going to find something on that album that is at least amicable to you. Yeah. It's a good album. It is interesting because at that time, Green Day, like you were saying, was putting out their B-Sides record. When you listen to interviews with them, they straight up were like, we kind of thought it was over. So we were just calling it. So I think Weezer's bigger than Green Day when this set of records comes out. Right, because this is coming out uh, May of 2002 as like a, what? There's new Weezer already? Holy shit. And then in like July of 2002, we get Green Day B-sides because they're calling it quits. Pretty much, yeah. Um, I think just looking at our little list of bands here, I think Chili Peppers are way bigger because they just dropped Californication around this time. Yeah, that was 2001, I believe, if I've got our albums right. Shit, I should listen to this. And then I think... Just going off of vibes, I feel like Weezer's bigger than Foo Fighters at this point. I don't know if that checks out numbers-wise or anything, but... Hard numbers, I have no idea. Right. But I also do somewhat agree with you that, um, you know, early 2000s, the Foo Fighters, uh, though might have been doing pretty well and selling out some venues and making some really good records. I think a lot of their like massive level of fame just kind of has to do with the longevity and Dave girl himself. Right. Um, so I think like, I think they sneakily are going to make it into that status, probably with echoes, silence, patience and grace. So we're going to have to wait until like you know 2007 at least yeah until they're like, like the biggest fucking thing yeah because metallica is playing like football arenas pretty much off of black album and justice for all fame like forever that's it mm-hmm. foo fighters i don't think there's one moment that gets them to that level i think it's echo silence patience and grace okay we'll we'll get there we'll, we'll get there we'll but we're it. also not even at um in your honor I'm not even sure we've gotten to uh, when. When the fuck does one by one come out? Uh, it's got to be 2002, right? Jesus, <laughs> John, are you a Foo Fighters fan? I I thought I was, <laughs> and then I spent the last <laughs> until you had to talk about months Weezer of my life doing time. this. Bill, we're starting chapter four. We just gave this album. A 7.5 aggregate <laughs> aggregate rating. Yeah. How are you feeling? I am excited story-wise. Because it was so blurred together between green touring and maladroit recording. Right. And well, I get to take a break. We got nothing until 05 after that. Right. And I do not know what this tour holds for us. And I'm excited to find out. Okay. Um I think I'm I'm in the same realm. We've really figured out uh our researching and our recording schedules 
to get this as fresh as possible. When we're starting Chapter 4 and we're doing our research, we are researching Maladroit up until, you know, the day it comes out and then some initial sales. We haven't looked into the tour. We haven't looked into anything else. Um, Literally any album past this or any other Weezer music that comes out past Maladroit, uh, we've only got what we've heard and our thoughts and feelings. Like, we have not done any research, so really fucking excited to continue to dive into this story because I keep hoping it's gonna be less. (laughs) We've got our four dudes, five if we're counting Carl, and we know we are. We're locked in. We're locked in. For 20 fucking years, we no longer have to say where somebody was born in what year. Except Josh Freeze. Fuck! (laughs) That's plenty of time away. Uh, Fuck. We, let's go. Let's go research uh, touring, John. Let's, let's get out of here. Bill, you a Weezer fan? Yes. Uh, Bill, where can the people find us? You can check us out on Twitter or X at AYAWF Pod, or just search Are You a Weezer Fan? And we are on TikTok and Instagram at Are You a Weezer Fan? All right. Uh, Yeah, and don't forget, you can also find us on Patreon. That link is going to be in the description if you want to uh, support us and get some fun bonus content where we listen to pretty much exclusively non-Weezer music. Uh, We still talk about Weezer, though. It happens. Um, Yeah, we'll see you next time.